Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Spacebar Podcast, Episode Three. Who'd have thought we'd make it this far? Actually, past Episode One, but we've we've got we're here now. Uh, I'm Pete Robertshaw, and on this week's episode, we're going to be talking about uh, a topic that's actually really close to our hearts here at Space Forty Eight, and that is uh, human commerce experiences. I'm going to go on to explain a little bit about what that is later on. Um, but today, I'm joined by Holly Barrett, who's head of CX at Space Forty Eight, and also Katie Collins, who's head of partnerships at FreeKit. Um, so before we get into it and talk about what we're here to talk about in terms of human commerce experiences, Holly, would you mind giving a bit of background to yourself and kind of what a head of CX actually entails for those that don't really know maybe what CX is and what you kind of do day to day? Yeah, so the commerce experience covers quite a lot. My main objective is to ensure that we are always designing and delivering optimised commerce experiences that engage and connect with the end users, so the customers. So step one for me when working with retailers is to always make sure that we have a good understanding of who their customers are so we can make the best recommendations based on actual customer needs or common frustrations. Um, I always try to take a step back and take more of a holistic approach to the whole consumer experience across all the touch points with the brand to make sure it's lined up and consistent. I work closely with our head of data and insights, the marketing teams and the developers to make sure that we're all connected. Um, there really isn't a magic wand and it's really about working with my customers to understand where they are in their commerce experience journey and defining clear goals and timelines then that make it easier to like gradually roll out more of like immersive CX experiences and initiatives. So you so you like commerce experience is kind of everything that I guess a, a customer would go through is that is that what we're talking about here is like in terms of their, their experience with the brand? Yeah, so it's about the full like 360 degrees experience with the brand. It's not just about the website. It's about what are all the different um, touch points that they experience the brand on. Are they on Instagram? Are they on Facebook? Are they um, making up the customer service team? And just to make sure that it's all connected so they're not having like a different experience with the brand on the website compared to what they are in store as well, if it's more of an omnichannel retailer. Okay, so you touched on some of the people there within that commerce experience team. So we've got what, like data team, we've obviously got the design elements to that, and then I guess marketing. Consult- yeah. marketing, and then kind of consultancy around kind of maybe the, the back office kind of stuff that's, again, kind of part of the experience as well. Yeah, because obviously the performance of a site and how the, the site is coded, that can all have massive impacts and um, the operational side of the website. So the warehousing and the, the, the delivery carriers that you use, for example, everything can impact like the, the end experience for the customer so if a, a product isn't getting sent out on time or, or there are delays to the deliveries and you're not set up to be able to send notifications at the right time that can massively impact the customer experience okay i think that's great to give us a, a kind of baseline for like what we could talk about commerce experiences we're going to talk about the human element of that uh, that's what the whole thing is about today um so that's a good background but um so katie um obviously would you mind just telling us a bit about yourself and your role at three kit and who three kit are yeah absolutely uh, pleasure to be here so um, a little bit about myself. So, uh, Katie Collins, I have the pleasure of looking after Northern Europe uh, here at Three Kit. Um, so, I guess from a from a day to day role perspective, um, I focus a lot on talking to uh, lots of different customers, um, lots of different um, new prospects. Um, but I also have uh, the pleasure of uh, speaking to lots of different partners as well, uh, where we may have complementary technology and solutions um, to provide a, a unifying. Um, solution to the end customer. So um, now perhaps a little bit about 3Kit and what we actually do. Um, So for those that may not have heard of 3Kit, we're a relatively new name in the market. Um, So 3Kit specializes in product visualization, um, especially when it comes to visual configuration. So having the ability to have an immersive experience uh, with your products. So being able to view them in 3D, 
uh, and configure them and personalize them to your desire. Um, being able to then view them in augmented reality. So, you know, seeing them in your space and in situ. Um, and last but not least, uh, being able to um, leverage what we call virtual photography, where you're able to um, view products in a very, very high quality static uh, digital imagery, um, which is often leveraged not only perhaps on a website, but it can also be leveraged um, for marketing, follow up documents and outputs. Um, as Holly mentioned, that often can flow through the customer experience journey. Okay, so it's three kit relatively a relatively new business like in terms of what you're talking about there the, the sort of tech that three kit has and how long is three going to be around like is this something relatively new to the market like you know where did this get kind of born out of from just sort of briefly absolutely so um so three kit's actually been around since 2005 um but i would say that uh it's really gone into kind of hyper growth mode um over the course of the last roughly two years um so three kit actually started out uh, well, the founder of 3Kid, I guess, started out in the wonderful world of Hollywood and developed software that has been used in some of the really big movies. So if, you're, uh, if you've seen Game of Thrones or Harry Potter, for example, then you will have seen the foundational um, software that went into Onwards Go and creating 3Kid, um, which is amazing. And um, I'm a big fan of Game of Thrones. So. <laughs> um, so obviously, Ben decided to take a sidestep away, away from Hollywood, and he wanted to focus on the world of digital and focus on the world of commerce and how he could help improve businesses with that um, digital experience um, with visualizing um, company products to the maximum capacity. So being able to view them, view products, apologies, with uh, all of the different various permutations that a product can come in. So if we take a, a very simple example of a sofa, for example, you know, a simple sofa could come in, you know, hundreds of fabrics, you could change, you know, the arms of it, the legs of it, maybe have complementary um, footstools, you know, coaster holders, side tables, etc. And all of a sudden, that that single product could end up being hundreds or even thousands of combinations. Mm-hmm. And that's where 3Kit really comes into play. That's where we allow companies to easily scale and showcase all of their different variants um, online to support both B2B and B2C communications. So basically what you're saying is 3Kit's bringing a bit of Hollywood to uh, the e-commerce market. Absolutely, darling. It's so glamorous. I love it. (laughs) love it. love it. Um, That's great. That's, again, great background, I guess. Again, the reason we wanted you here today, because, again, how I wanted to kind of get your input on and and how sort of that kind of technology plays into the human experience, which we're going to talk talk about. But just kind of before we get into that, um, just very briefly again, like, so how's how's 2020 been for you? And, um, like, how has, like, this affected your plans? I guess, like, for everybody, it's been a bit of a mad year. What what's how's it been like for you personally, and maybe for you in your role at Three Kit? What's what's been going on, and how's how has this last year affected you? Yeah, I think this this year has obviously been very interesting and very very you know challenging for for many many people. Um, I think it's it's brought home many um, home truths um, and helped to focus the attention. I think for a lot of businesses in you know certain directions, I should say. Um, what I would say is, I guess, pre-COVID, um, so I guess pre-kind of February, March time, um, when it really truly hit, we were seeing trends more and more towards um, a growing digital presence for a lot of organizations. Um, what I would say, though, is, and it, it may sound crude and a little bit, um, you know, difficult to mention <laughs> for, for some organizations, but um 
what we have seen since COVID has actually hit um, is that there is a higher significance around digital presence and being able to support showcasing your products um, in a digital capacity. Um, And that is not only from a B2C perspective, but also from a B2B perspective. Um, So obviously with B2C, um, there's been impacts by maybe stores not being uh, able to open as readily. Um, Some stores are being shut down um, or they're having difficulty with how often they can be open, you know, given the lockdown rules and restrictions that come in and out all the time. Um, But also from a B2B perspective, there is often difficulty now with, especially if you have large products, let's say it's a a medical device uh, equipment, for example, you know, that is quite logistically difficult um, to ship or to move to different locations to showcase to an end customer. So being able to actually um, provide that information, um, showcase the value of that product um, there and then in real time, rather than having to have a delay by, you know, transportation or travel or, you know, changing the design, being able to make those updates in real time is proving very valuable for a lot of companies. Okay, would you say that 2020 then, or what's going going on, has brought forward maybe plans that retailers had or B2B businesses had maybe two or three years down the line, but this is kind of really what's been going on with stores being shut and, again, not being able to attend, say, trade shows or whatever. Yeah. Is that kind of brought forward the requirement, do you think, for, for investing in tech? I, I think so. And obviously, you know, I'm a obviously a big advocate for 3Kit, but I think digital not only covers um, the product side of it, but it also covers lots of different other angles in the the world of digital. And uh, I fully agree uh, with with the statement that it's, you know, the the current climate is highlighting the importance of digital more and more so. And, you know, businesses are having to accommodate, what do I have now versus where do I need to get to in order to um, not only survive, but also thrive in this new climate. Okay, Holly, are you, are you seeing that as well? Do you think in the market, are you seeing the customers you speak to um, maybe bringing forward plans they had before? Are you seeing maybe people put things on hold? What, what have you seen so far with the customers that we work with? Yeah, there's been de- a definite shift and obviously attention on digital. A lot of the customers have fast-tracked some of the, the items that were in the backlog with regards to the roadmap that we had put together. So it's moved a lot of the priorities around with customers. Um, obviously, with stores shutting, like Katie touched on, um, there's had to be react, like react, more reactive measures put in place. So like with click and collect having to be turned off and there's more demand now in the warehouses, which is seeing struggles and more, um, yeah, there's more struggles with the warehousing and there's lots of issues that, that that's causing. Yeah, I think, again, I guess from what I've seen some of that, I think logistically things have become more of a problem. I think like some of our customers um, I work with have been further with a lot of staff and then we're actually up to Black Friday um, then they need to get the orders out the door again. It's been it's been a crazy time. Like I know, like directors of the company, they've been out in the warehouse picking because um, you know they haven't got the stuff in and they don't know really what's going on. But there's going to be another lockdown again. What's going? To, it's really kind of uncertainty that's that's, mm. that's out there. But it, I keep finding it's pulling teams are pulling everybody together, and there's a lot of teams working working, I guess, more smartly. I suppose mm. um, in terms of what they're doing, more efficiently. That's one thing I've seen, and a lot of the companies I work with are looking to invest in tech that actually get a is going to make their process internally more efficient because they're now having to live without these these other internal resources they've got. Um, so it's been definitely an interesting year so far. And obviously, it's not quite over yet. We've still got a couple more weeks to go. We'll see what see what happens between now and then. There's a lot can still happen. Um, when the demand's there, but you can't actually get the products out, so you've got to like stagnate what you're doing so to not cause more customer friction. 
Exactly. And so part of it, again, we talk about that being part of the commerce experience, that end, that end, that end product in terms of getting the stuff out the door. It's all, it's really all part and parcel of it. Um, so I kind of want to get into the domain just of the, the sort of podcast today, tonight now, which is obviously around human commerce experiences. Um, I think what I want to kind of get into is kind of what the human commerce experience is, what it means for retailers, and I guess why it's so important. Um, I'm really excited to discuss this because Actually, our mission at Space 48, we have a mission and a vision, but our mission, and it has been this for, for a long time, is to create human and compelling commerce experiences. And I think given what's been going on the last sort of, sort of well, nearly 12 months now, I guess it's like 10, 11 months, um, I think the human part of our mission in terms of that creating human commerce experience is really, really important. Um, I think, again, we talked about stores being shut, et cetera. I think um, trying to for business to try and get that whether the retail stores are short how do they get that experience the customers normally get in store online i think that's one of the big things that i, I associate with human commerce experiences but holly just come to you first like to you what does the term human commerce experience mean for retailers and, and why is it something they should be focusing on so it, to me it's really about connecting um, with the customers and engaging with them on a personal level so it's really understanding the human problem that we're trying to solve and be more solution-led um, and focus on how the solution that we're creating will reduce the friction for the customers and making the brand more memorable and creating those experiences. So strong communication is pivotal to all successful relationships in life. And I think it's the same online. And like, how are the customers communicating with you? Because there's so much competition out there nowadays. Um, websites aren't just functional shop fronts. We need to start building relationships with customers and building that rapport. So understanding what resonates with the customers and help offering them a stress-free experience. When we look at like the human problems and we look at like what three kits offering, um, some human experiences or human moments that we have in life, like buying your first home, having a baby, um, back to school, uh, like Christmas, and they're all emotional uh, times of life. So when you're buying your first sofa for your first home, you can't now go into a store, you can't see the sofa, you can't touch it, you can't feel it, you can't like engage with all those senses that you would normally do in a store. So how can we replicate that online for a customer? It's about actually showing them the different angles of the sofa, giving them all the measurements, helping them see it actually in their house. It's, so the human experience is just more about communication and treating people, I guess, with respect. So a lot of people are rational and they are reasonable. And a lot of the frustration when you read customer reviews online when they're, they're angry, it's just about because they haven't been updated. They haven't been told that one of their items has been delayed. Um, I'm currently on the COVID bandwagon. I am like updating my kitchen. I am doing some house renovations because I've got all this spare time and nothing else to do. Um, and a, a lot of the some of the items that I've been buying, I've like experienced on a lot of stores recently. There's a poor like um, pre-order functionality on site. So if a fridge is being delayed, for example, I'm happy to wait so I can work with the the tradesmen that I've got in around the, the delivery lead times that I've um, been told online. But actually, when they are being delayed, I'm not being updated. So when I'm having to chase a company to find out why is my order late or when am I actually going to get it, that causes me frustration. Whereas if they could just send out some notification to say, look, it's going to be a bit late, I could change my plans. So it's more about cheating humans, like cheating people with respect and like humans um, and just making it just easy for the customer really to keep coming back to your store. Um, a lot of the sites that most people enjoy shopping on like Amazon, for example, everyone loves Amazon, just because you know it does what it says on the tin, you know you can go on the site and it can get delivered the next day. You can trust the brand um, and it just it, it helps you in your everyday life. Everyone's busy, everyone's on different timescales, everyone's got really busy jobs, so it's more working with the customer and fitting in with their needs. Like People just want to be able to order a birthday present last minute. They can just go on Amazon and it can get delivered the next day if they're running late, whereas with some of the stores, if you've got to wait, 
I don't know, two to three weeks for delivery and there's a six pound or 10 pound delivery charge, you're going to be like, no, I'm going to shop elsewhere. There's so much competition out there. It's just more about understanding what is it that your customers want from you as a store. I think you touched on a really important point there about you know life events that people go through and actually the kind of stress that that go you can go through again after you buy a kitchen at the moment I don't know how much how stressed that for that was but I know from people working on a in a bathroom business you know people are spending thousands and thousands of pounds of you know hard earned money they've got this dream of how the bathroom is going to look or the kitchen or whatever it may be and I think a lot of businesses or retailers are online are just purely online for example don't kind of understand that and they don't see the kind of person at the end of the the, the laptop or the phone or whatever it is. If they're kind of seen as a user or you know maybe just a customer but actually it's a family that's making that decision and again that's for me where i guess where human the human really comes in it's understanding that person as a human being as if you you were the other person at the end of that that buying journey and making sure that you'd be getting things the experience you expect to have as a as a as a, as a consumer um so yeah, it's really just helping them and inspiring them like with regards to my kitchen I probably went with someone that was slightly a bit more expensive just because of the experience I had with that that member of staff because they made suggestions to me they gave me advice and they really helped me whereas some of the other companies that I dealt with were quite um for want of a better word like stonewall like they were just treated me like a faceless person like they didn't really care whereas and I didn't intentionally do that but obviously it's my job every day but I did obviously um, gravitate more towards whether I had the best of customer experience with that brand yeah and that's really important for I guess for a retention perspective as well getting that experience is really important um so I guess the same thing to you Katie then obviously Holly's touched on quite a few points there um but from for your perspective again maybe you've got a diff, like, different perspective what does the kind of human commerce experience mean to you and again like the retailers that essentially you work with and, and is it why is it something they should sort of be focusing on yeah, absolutely. And I, I think um, before I go into, you know, potential, you know, prospects that I'm working with, I think, you know, when I consider, you know, a human, human commerce, it's, you know, what is it to be human? Um, and for me, you know, to be human is to have experiences. It's about creating memories. It's about um, having empathy. It's about having, um, you know, an interaction with, you know, somebody or some, you know, a company or whoever it might be. And, you know, that interaction, like Holly suggested, could be positive or negative. And, you know, what we're looking for in this new world and this new era is obviously driving positive customer experience journeys. Um, so that to me is, I guess, all about humanization. And it's, you know, allowing each, every, each and every individual customer to feel unique, to feel special, to feel wanted, to feel cared for, Um and you know Holly's the expert in this, but it's every single touch point in that journey that is special and unique. So it's not only the purchasing process, which is obviously more where I would focus on um, with regards to you know making that product selection unique and special, but it's you know the follow up, like like Holly suggested as well. So you know I, I've also moved home recently, and I've had. Um, you know, it sounds ridiculous, but I, I wanted to buy a wheelbarrow um, because <laughs> to help with my garden and um, not having to keep going to the end of the garden all the time every time I needed to empty the empty the lawnmower. So, <laughs> but um, the supplier that I chose um, were having a few delays with their deliveries. But they kept me up to date every couple of days, and so I didn't mind. Didn't matter. Like there was no rush. I'm in no rush. I'm not going anywhere. Like, it's fine. Um, but if I hadn't have heard that, I probably would have gotten annoyed. So it's it's having that just um, 
the thought behind it that, you know, maybe there's a, an important reason why I need the wheelbarrow. <laughs> but um, it's having that human element to understand that someone needs this for a purpose. Um, and, you know, that is that is the end goal. So in terms of, you know, what I've experienced in terms of my role, um, you know, ways in which companies are now looking towards doing this are um, certainly more on the on the product side of it. So allowing allowing you know consumers to have that personalized experience um, in a digital way. So you know, three D AR, uh, virtual photography, and allowing a customer to have that freedom of choice to get creative. So whether that is, you know, changing fabrics on a sofa, whether that's engraving uh, a watch that you want to buy your husband for, for Christmas, whether that is, um, you know, swapping out um, different colors on that watch face, um, whether it is, I don't know, designing a, a bespoke piece of furniture that is unique to you. So it is allowing someone to have a, a sense of, hey, I'm unique. This is my, you know, personal choice, um, and I have the freedom to have that communication with this company, and it makes me feel special and wanted. Um, they understand me, um, and I think that it helps with communication because they're, they, you know, to me, like having something visualized speaks like a thousand words. You automatically then know exactly what someone is looking for or what they're after. And if there is a missing gap, it's easy to communicate what that missing gap might be rather than I'm trying to describe it. You're not quite getting it <laughs> and you're banging your head against a brick wall. So, you know, I'm, I'm a very visual person um, as well. I, I love visuals generally. I prefer visuals. I love watching, you know, movies and what have you. Then uh, I love podcasts as well. I prefer, you know, that kind of aspect Um uh, of course, than uh, than actually physically, you know, reading a book. Um, as Holly said, we're all very busy now, uh, and uh, you know, anything that is simple and easy for for customers, I think, is the the route forward. There's quite a nice feature on a few sites now to like ask the buyer a question, um, and on having obviously brand ambassadors manning the live chats as well, because obviously in store experiences, it's. Um, the customer service staff and the brand ambassadors that are deeply impacting the customer's decisions to mm. really into focus on how that can be re replicated in store because sometimes visual visuals are great and I agree with you a lot of customers shop visually and it helps make those decisions mm. but for all of the considered purchase it's like there's some key factors that customers are looking for so if they're able to ask a particular question in the absence of reviews for example or in the absence of being able to actually talk to a member of staff mm really great to be able to offer that conversational side of it to customers as well so they can actually ask the things that they're looking for absolutely and I think that that's um that's where it comes into that kind of united solution um so that you know whoever is supporting that request knows you know what the customer has started to put together in the first instance you know maybe let's go into your kitchen, maybe you've started to design your kitchen cupboards, uh, for example, and you have a query on, you know, the sink or whatever it might be. And so, you know, maybe the, the person at the other end that is supporting can see the design that you've started to put together, and then can better support to say, actually, that sink is not going to be complementary with, um, you know, the types of cupboards or the type of, you know, work surface that you're looking for. Let me recommend these other ones for you. And I think that it really helps to have that synergy together and help to, you know, build that trust and that relationship. 
so taking that point, so you said about there about the kind of the advice that customers are getting when they can go into store. How how can retailers kind of leverage that? I mean, Holly's talked about ambassadors and that kind of thing. How else can sort of retailers take that experience we get in store from advice if we're going to buy on a sofa or whatever? You know, you get to look at the swatches and look at the, the, the sales advisor, you can advise you on the size and whatever. How do, how do retailers take that knowledge and that experience of salespeople in store? And replicate that online, like in, in, a, in kind of any aspect, really. What what are some of the ways that that, that install any not just that that particularly, but you know, even the look and feel of products. How can that be taken from the store and put online? Because I think that's going to be one of the bigger challenges next year. I think as more and more stores probably start to shut down, you know, we could go through something like this again. Hopefully not, but you know, how what 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 is the online experience going to be looking like? Do we think I could be twenty one. <laughs> um. So maybe I, I can go first and I'm sure Holly, you've got lots of ideas as well. But, um, you know, I, again, I, I look at it from the, the, the product perspective in terms of providing lots of information, lots of flexibility around the product. Um, but often there's going to be other things as well that need to be um, complementary to that. So, you know, there'll need to be things around the spec. There'll be need to things around um, delivery. There'll be things around um, logistics, preparation. Um, so I think that there, there's probably a lot of stuff that companies need to do in preparation for their product content, um, you know, their PDPs. Um, but I don't know, Holly, if you've got any other I, I mean, I could talk about like product visuals all, all the time, but I, I know that this is broader than that. So I guess it depends on the product that you're actually selling. Like I mean, makeup is an interesting one. Like when you can go into the store and you can get your skin matched with a particular foundation colour. Um, how would you replicate that online? Um, I was speaking with a third party the other day who offers video live chat. So you can actually have a live chat and you're face to face with someone and they can talk you through the items that you're looking at. They can make suggestions. Um, they can offer like a personal shopping experience which some customers may, may need when they're looking for particular products. Um, with regards to um, how you can replicate like more of like the touch feel um, senses online, that is going to be a difficult one, but obviously colour. So it's more product, the more product imagery, the better. I think if we can leverage UG, UGC as well. So like with colours um, of sofas, if we, we're going to stick to like the sofa analogy, um, colours resonate different online on different browsers on different machines so they can look slightly different um, and I've known like even like when shopping with my sister and watching how she shops she'll see like a particular colour of a sofa oh no I don't like that because of a particular light during one picture so there can be little things that can massively put someone off just from an online visual so um, a lot of reviews people upload their own photos which I think is really helpful because if you can see more photos and there's more um, content up there for you to actually actually able to see this product to make your own judgments on it the better um, so it would be about maximizing like your your own customer base really and like using ugc more content more imagery more videos more 360 shots um a lot of the obviously the, the services that you provide katie and it and just accelerating that um however we can yeah absolutely and that that kind of um ties into a, a nice you know I, idea that springs to mind as well where um you know when when you have um you know similar to your sister where maybe she's like oh i don't like that color <laughs> and then dismisses it um something that i find that um you know comes up in a discussions that i'm having with uh, with customers is the the concept around creating lifestyle scenes um whereby you know perhaps 
perhaps you've got a variety, maybe you've got a single product, let's just use it as a, a, a desk, for example, you know, but that desk, you know, might have different purposes. Oh, no, actually, let's pick a different example, maybe a cabin, a cabin for the garden. So that cabin could maybe um, become an office. Um, now that we're living in this, this new climate, a lot of people are now working from home more and more. But it could also be a gym, it could also be like a summer house, or it could, you know, be, have multiple purposes. Um, and so, maybe touching on, you know, all of the different types of user experiences that that cabin could have, um, and then showcasing it. So having different lifestyle scenes to complement the different examples, you're painting a picture of, you know, the art of the possible almost of this is what you could have. Are you going down the office route or the gym route or what have you? Um, and this is how wonderful it could actually look. That's the same with one of like obviously the the prime retailers that we work with. We've been doing some competitive research, and it's about showing that, that pram in real life situations. So in like an air um, an airplane cabin, how it um, can fold away under like the stairs, and just mm. actually showing that product in use and mm-hmm. pulling out like the key information that's pivotal to like the buying decision. So I, I don't have children, but I know it's important how the pram rides. So just like bringing out some of that key information that people are actually looking for now they can't go into the store and actually push the pram and yep. see how it actually drives across like obviously street and up curves i know one of my friends baby she's like oh, i'm not buying that pram because i can't get it up a curve i was like Ooh, okay. it's a pram because to me because i'm like i didn't i can't obviously i haven't got children but when she was pushing it she's like no i don't think it'll easily go up curves right um, so there's all these different things that what you need to really understand the customer and what they're actually looking for and what they need from your product to be able to pull out the key information on mm. the side can't make assumptions and like you need to actually understand the customer and what their actual needs are. Absolutely. That, yeah. that leads me actually quite on to kind of my next question really. If you kind of touched on it, like I guess how can retailers get to understand the customers better? Because we talked again about having that sort of human connection and understanding the user so but also to understand how to kind of personalize and give them that sort of human element. How how do you actually get to understand who your customer is? How how can retailers get to understand who their customers are? Holly, guess that's one for you. Um, I guess merely stop making assumptions and start having that conversation with your customers and give them a forum to talk to you. Um, we do a lot of surveys with our with our retailers. We'll put quick surveys on the site that take less than a minute or two minutes to fill out, um, and we get a lot of insights from customers because a lot of time we find retailers are focusing on more of the the quantitative data but they're not really understanding why the customer is behaving in that way um and a lot of retailers do have a lot of information at their finger fingertips but they're not actually doing anything with it so you've got um customer service teams who are taking calls every single day of your customers and they're getting a lot of complaints so they can actually um provide a lot a lot of insights into like what where is your customer struggling online why they're in the customer service team and you can start to look do some data mining online to look at your social mentions, look at what they actually say in the reviews and actually start to analyse them and see, say actually a lot of customers, like where the commonalities and the, the responses from the customers and what is it that everyone's happy with and then drawing on that and, and maximising that more. Um, it's really important to understand what is important to them. Um, and I'd say test, 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 test. Um, a lot of time customers will tell you what they want, but it doesn't actually mean that they actually want that. Um like, does any of us actually know that we wanted to turn our lights off with an Alexa and say, turn the lights off? Like, we don't know <laughs> until we have it. So testing is really important, doing user testing on the designs that you're doing and doing user testing when your actual site's live and then just testing ideas out before you invest that money um, in any particular piece of functionality. It's interesting you touched on kind of 
you know, speaking to the customer service department there, I'm actually a huge advocate of retailers actually ringing customers and actually getting feedback that way because it's a it kind of solves covers that kind of human element of making the customer feel like special and actually you know actually part of the part of the brand and, and associated with the retailer. I I, but I know you can't be done at scale, but I'm a huge advocate of actually getting on the phone and treating people like people, getting the feedback that way. Review sites are great; you're obviously building feedback up, but you know you're not going to bring every single customer that buys from you during the day. But if you pick out you know five or ten customers that have been online that bought that day, check how they got on, like just see what the experience was. I think. Most most people are quite happy to tell you the pain points. I think more more than so, they've had a good experience. Most people will tell you what's been painful. Um, I think this user survey you mentioned is a perfect way of doing that as well. I mean, not everybody will complete that, but if you take a selection of customers and just get your customer services team to ring a few customers every day, I think you'll gleam such great information. Again, trying to scale it, you're never going to ring everybody, but it's even to get a small subset every day. I mean, most people might come back and say they've had a perfect experience, which is which is great. But there's going to be that bit of gold information there, which you, you're never going to pick up from maybe a, a review or a survey example. So I'm yeah. a big huge advocate of that. Yeah, I think that's a really good idea. And I think it is people are more likely to respond on the extremes. If they've had a really positive experience, we see a lot of feedback when people are really happy with the brand. They've, they've had a really positive experience and the same when they've had a really bad experience, which mm-hmm. is why I think that ask the buyer a question is a good way of pulling out information from customers and asking them particular questions about the product experience that they've had about the product that they've bought to actually get the information you want off customers because a lot of time especially when I speak with like my friends it's like well I don't know what to put in the review yeah it was delivered on time like they don't really know what to say so it's about drawing that information out of your customer as well um, to help you other customers ultimately people trust people so if other people have left that review or answered that question it's going to have more credibility and trust associated with it yeah Okay. When you when you guys shop online, I guess you know we all capable of giving feedback. When you guys are shopping online, you know what are some of the kind of challenges you come across? Um, you know, well, when you're working with customers, what are the kind of common barriers you see that kind of come in way of making a purchase? Um, college, wanna take that one first? Like as a consumer yourself, what do you struggle with? What do you see? I mean, you're you're in the in the history of like commerce experience, but you must get. You one of the things that kind of you can pick thing, pick holes and things because you're used to you want it done in a certain way. But what what are the common things you're propping on a website? What are the things you most common kind of mistakes you you come across as a consumer? It's consistent messaging throughout like the buying experience. So like when you're on a site, so I do a lot of research when I buy particular products, or so go and make sure that I'm getting the best price, um, buying it from the right store. Um, I'm going to go back to the kitchen analogy. So I was buying like an oven and I found it on John Lewis and it wasn't until I got to the checkout and I entered my address, it was showing as in stock I, and I had delivery lead times. So I was like, so I shopped, I found like three different retailers, found the same oven. I was like, right, I'm going to get it from John Lewis. And went all the way through to the checkout and it wasn't until I put my address into the checkout that it told me that it wasn't available um, for delivery. And I think it was due to COVID and obviously click and collect. So I think it might've been available in store, but because all the stores were shut, I couldn't go and collect the item but I experienced that on quite a few retailers I think a lot of the pre-order or the, the messaging around from product to, che- to checkout isn't consistent so once you get into the basket there's no delivery lead times mm-hmm. and once you get into the checkout there's it, it just kind of disappears so it's really important to have consistent messaging that's one of my main frustrations because I've just wasted a lot of my life thinking I found the product I want go to buy it and I can't buy it so I've got to go and start again from scratch which I found quite frustrating with a few different products recently. What about you, Katie? 
similar experience with anything else you again being in the industry you're in if you think, like light is poor imagery i think you come across a lot i'm putting words into your mouth but is that no, it's, to... <laughs> um yeah i would say well a couple things um the first is um as you, as you correctly said like a, a lack of uh, information on the product imagery so not being able to understand what it looks like from different angles um what it looks like close up and a zoomed in perspective or um you know even what the dimensions are um so if it is something that maybe is a larger item what the actual dimensions of that item are um to know if it's going to to actually sit in the space um and you know something that um, this was maybe a year ago that I came across this, um, where I was uh, looking to looking to purchase someone f- uh, international for for a friend uh, that that uh, lives in a different country, um, and I got through all the way to like selecting everything, um, putting you know a personal message in. It was I think it was their birthday. Um, got to check out and I couldn't buy because they didn't allow for um, international payments, um, and I was like, oh my gosh, I need to now find a. a com- a whole new website that does something very similar, a whole new company that does something very similar because I wanted to get this specific thing for my friend. Um, and it was, you know, again, like half an hour or whatever wasted trying to find something particular and then not being able to then purchase. So, you know, in that example, it just would have been helpful to know we only accept X currency or in X country or what have you. So... I think we need to do a whole podcast around e-commerce fails. I think might be one thing to focus <laughs> on. I, I know from my personal experience, like again the other week, just shopping for I think on Black Friday. I won't name the retailer, but um, it, it took me nearly ten minutes to get through the checkout. And I'm quite an experienced e-commerce user, and to get to that pay, I was persistent because I needed the product and it was a decent price. But at the end of the actual uh, the checkout, I actually got a feedback survey, and they were like, you know, how could we improve the experience? Like sort your checkout out. It was it was a horrific experience, you know. It was, I, I would, I'd registered an account maybe like five, ten years ago, whatever it was, when I first bought off the retail. Hadn't a clue what a password was. The forgot password link didn't work. It, then, it, then I tried. It was just, it was a really bad experience. And I, uh, I was hoping that I'd left the contact details and said, look, I work at an e-commerce agency. Feel free to reach out if you want an evaluation done. But again, the checkout experience for me is, is I was lucky. They were lucky that I persevered because it was a decent price. Most probably people would have probably given up. Um, that, that's, uh, you were determined. I, was, I, I wanted to kind of get to the end and see like what was the outcome of it. And uh, unfortunately, they'd have a survey on. So I'm not going to name who they were, but they were in the toy industry. Um, uh, quite a big one. Uh, so... Yeah, again, we could probably do a whole episode around that. But I just wondered, like, again, it, there's a there's a human element to this in terms of what we're talking about, in terms of frustrations that the customers will go through. And we know how uh, short-sighted a lot of people will be in terms of not wanting to carry on and through the journey. Um, mm-hmm. They haven't got time most of them nowadays. This is an old adage that people will, you know, leave a site within a few seconds if it's not loaded. I think it is very it is very important that, you know, they can, there's so much competition out there now. The retailers that kind of get this right, I think, are the ones that are going to kind of really win out. Yeah. Um, yeah, on the reverse, what we were just just discussing then around like Black Friday in the week leading up to it, I did have some positive experiences with brands. So a lot of people obviously know that people are looking for price comparisons around Black Friday are worried and trying to hang out to, to the actual Friday because they think the prices are going to massively drop. So a few of the retailers put actual messaging on the site saying, look, this price isn't getting any lower and we'll reimburse you if it does. So um, we'll price match just to reassure and the customers when they came on the site that like they didn't have to actually wait till Friday and put that massive demand on the site, um, which I think was really good. I was going to ask you both actually. Um, can you think of any retailers that have kind of got like a really well joined up approach? You know, that are kind of really embracing that sort of human human commerce experience, 
or again only retailers you buy from online you know you feel feel really feel you know you as a customer i guess a bit of both of that really so anyone that's kind of got you've been through a really positive experience someone that's doing things really well uh, and what is it they're doing katie just to come to you first on that what what's been a really good recent experience for you and why um so yeah there's a there's a clothing company that i use um or have used a couple times um uh Bowdoin. i don't know if anyone's a fan of Bowdoin. um but I find that they're really, really strong in their communication um, and they make it fun. Like they make it human. They make it personal, um, even in like the follow up emails of, you know, when it, the parcel is going to be delivered. And, um, you know, it's it just feels a little bit more human than, you know, just like an I know obviously it, I'm sure it is an automated message, but it, it feels mm. less of an automated message. Um, it feels like it's you know, someone's taken the time to make it more personal. Um, and uh, it sounds like a bizarre thing to say, but, um, you know, the other one that springs to mind is um, I actually get um, my meat delivered. I know that sounds like a really weird thing to say, um, no. but the, com- the company that I use, um, apologies for any vegans or vegetarians out there, but uh, the company that I use um they're, they're incredibly flexible. So I can actually um, choose what I want each time I have um, an, a, a delivery. I can pick out, you know, what I want for that particular order. Um, it's incredibly flexible. Um, never had any problems at all. Um, so that's that's always been a really pleasurable experience to to use them. You can name them, you know. Oh, Find I can. Them. Sorry, I have forgot. I didn't name them. Field and Flower. They're they're fantastic. So you might get some free meat. You might get some free meat. I might free do. Clothes. That would be if this great. Goes, if this goes well, you might get some. <laughs> I'm sure we can take some sponsorship. There you go. Holly, what about yourself? Obviously, you guess you do a lot of online shopping. What what's what's kind of the good experiences you've had? I guess you've mentioned a few already, but any others that really stand out? Any any, any retailers you that you kind of buy from that really feel like know you as you know you as a person and kind of maybe personalize that journey towards you? Um, I get, just to touch on something Casey mentioned, I think a lot of the food subscription services are really great and they do obviously relate to what the customer wants. You can pause your order, you can cancel it for a couple of weeks, you can pick your meals, you can choose whether the low calorie, you can choose the type of meals if you want a vegetarian meal. So I think they're doing a really great job. The, the ones that I've interacted with are actually offering more of a human experience and just understanding like, Sometimes I might want less meals this week or sometimes I might want a bit of a skip because I'm going on holiday. So they're actually understanding like your lifestyle as a customer um, and relating to that. Um, with regards to joined up approach to commerce and well, a brand that I think knows me is probably Boots. Like they offer me discounts on the products that I regularly buy and I be, I'm able to save points. So obviously a lot of people have the Boots um, membership card, advantage card. So at Christmas, I've got like a lot of points saved up. So I regularly go back to them. Um, they always send me updates and notifications and more recently I ordered something and within two weeks I think it hadn't been sent or a week I can't remember it was quite a short time frame and they actually auto refunded me and sent me a notification to say that they're not going to have this stock in within a short period of time so they just refunded me and I was able to go buy it elsewhere so I didn't actually have to go ring them and ask them where's my order can I have a refund and it be delayed for a week they actually just refunded it straight back into my account and let me know that that had happened which I thought was like a really great touch. Um, yeah. Would you say like, you're, in terms of your, both of you, in terms of like your expectations now, when you're going to go and buy from a, a retailer, like what would it take for a retailer online to kind of really wow you? What would be like, I guess now everyone expects a bit of communication around the delivery when it's going to turn up or that kind of thing. But is there anything you think of that where you've been 
you've been wow, like wow, that really was an amazing experience. Like, because again, everyone's got like a baseline of expectations. They think things going to turn up on time. But what what does it take that retailers to really stand out? Do you think what what can some of the things they should be doing? Just one that jumps out to me straight away is a car retailer. So they sent me a personalised video. Um, video in a car that I just came into the showroom saying, Holly, I think you'd be interested in this and touched on some of the reasons some of the reasons that they felt it that I would like it based on the a conversation that I'd had with them um in the store a few months ago. So he'd remembered the things that we discussed. He sent me a personalized video and I thought that was a really nice touch. And it actually made me think I actually need to go back and see him. Jackie's gone to that effort to send me a video. He's videoed around the car. He showed me why he thinks that I'd like it. And he's actually chosen a colour and mentioned recommended a colour that he thinks I'd like. Do you like him put some prices together for me? Mm. So just that proactive behaviour of a brand and just understanding um what it is your customers need. Obviously that was a bit different because that's more of a one on one and you can't en masse um deal with all your customers like that. But if there's anything that you can do around that, I think it massively helps. Like Kate touched on that one on one experience and just feeling like you've got having a unique unique personalised experience with that brand. Yeah. I think I, um, I guess, complimentary to Holly, look at it from a both a um, pre-sales and a post-sales perspective. So um, before deciding to purchase something brand new, so maybe I'm a brand new customer, um, it is all about how special does that particular company make me feel. Um, so whether that is um, freedom, where I can um, personalize the product to my myself and I don't need to have very much interaction so the brand themselves are making it easy and they're enabling me enabling me as a customer um or as Holly suggested you know maybe you do need to have an interaction with a salesperson that maybe is more knowledgeable but the experience that they provide um makes it memorable and makes it special to you so either I guess for me it's all around ease and simplicity but whatever that really means it's giving out the information in the easiest format and a flexible manner. And then from a post-sales perspective, so if I do decide, you know, to purchase that particular product, it is how well am I looked after um, post-sales? So having that regular communication, having um, uh, an understanding of maybe, you know, new products that could be of interest to me in the future, um, so, for example, if I if I bought, um, you know, a new suit, maybe there would be, you know, a nice blouse or something to complement that new suit, um, complementary colors or whatever it might be. So it's having not only the tech to support, you know, that that kind of database, but also the personalization aspect to it as well. But knowing when the kind of the right time to do that is. So if I've just bought a new suit, I might not feel comfortable buying you know the blouse and the shoes straight away it might be a month or two later for example so time so there's the there's the great element of being personalization but it's it's not personalizing just for the sake of it the timing's got to be right yeah Yeah, i think so yeah completely agree um i guess kind of starting to wrap up a little bit um we talked a lot about again what sort of techs out there and kind of some of the things that retailers can do to improve that human commerce experience but kind of going into next year 2021 um, obviously this year has been kind of obviously strange you know shop stores have been shut for a while um, it's been a massive push online uh, I think I had a start the other day I think Stephen mentioned that like 40% of retail sales kind of through Black Friday were done online taking away groceries etc it was this huge you know move to buying online um, going to 2021 what kind of opportunities do you think like for example like a new tech startup 
like if they were to come into the market and try and solve some kind of like offline to online challenge for consumer, where would that be? What kind of is the one kind of major challenge that we still think exists out there in the market that's where then we're just that whole user journey is just not tied up between online and offline. So if there's a new technology could come in, like what do we think that what would that challenge be that it could solve? What you know, if you could invent a product tomorrow, um obviously you go away and be an inventor and sell it for lots of money, but what, <laughs> what, what could you think you'd have to give the rights away for this? I'm not gonna go and like in the straight market. But could you think of anything that you think there's something still a gap that's missing in the market that for just again joining that journey up for a consumer i guess something that's um jumped out at me just to take this quickly um would be during covid obviously we can't all meet up we can't celebrate those little moments in life like birthdays um or different things that happen so my niece got made head girl at school and i wanted to send her like a welcome pres- uh, a well done present sorry and a congratulations but I also wanted to send her a card so I wanted it to be exciting for her because she's never had a delivery just to her like out of the blue so I didn't let her know that I was sending it and I really struggled to find online somewhere where I could send um like a present and a card to say well done from like your auntie Holly so to speak so it was like I really struggled so I ended up just having to send her a present and let my sister know that I've sent Evie a present it's from me um just because it, there wasn't like a on any of the sites that I went on, I couldn't send um, a card and a present that would I had the confidence was going to be delivered at the same time because mm-hmm. personalised products are always drop shipped, so they're always coming from a different retailer, so they're coming from, I there was no confidence I was going to deliver on the same day, and I wanted it all to come together at once. Um, so that would be somewhere just with what's happening in COVID and not being able to meet up with family and friends and all, us all being on lockdown, we don't know what's going to happen in the future. It's just more thinking about how can we celebrate those moments digitally and how can we like send those gifts. So a lot of um, retailers offer gift messages, but is there anything that we can do to improve that gifting experience? Um, And your brand may not have been a gifting brand before, but it might now be a gifting brand. Mm. You can't all meet up. Um, Yeah, That's interesting. I've seen a bit of that. Like there's there's, like companies I go to now that just send gifts where I probably wouldn't wouldn't normally do it because I just go to the supermarket and buy it. But now I'm forced to kind of go, I have been forced to go online and do that gifting element. But yeah, maybe you're right. Brands adapt into that in terms of, I actually now I'm going to be destination for sending gifts. And like, maybe like, you know, could you record video messages to go along with the delivery of the gift? I don't know how it would quite work, but um, again, that if people aren't going to be meeting up as much, you know, hopefully next year, maybe things will change, but um, we don't know what's going to happen. But um, just interested to know, like, again, you know, what, again, for me, I think from a joined up space, my, my personal experience, I think it's, I always struggle for when I've been to buy something in store, like I'll go and get a quote from the store that and the, the journey in terms of like then be able to go and retrieve that online and convert it. I still think there's a huge problem in that market. Um, especially when it's in the considered commerce space, it's really disjointed. And maybe that's just the tech already out there to solve that, but retailers aren't doing it as much as they probably should be. Um, I've always found that a struggle. Um, I still think there's obviously still a huge problem around mobile experience compared to going on desktop. And that, again, if you're in the considered commerce space, you tend to do like a lot of real research on mobile, but going and convert on desktop, I still think there's, a, there's probably a disjoint there. Someone that can solve that for me would be quite a, an interesting one. Um, because the general way consumers work is like they don't all let's say check out on one device. It depends on the industry, obviously. Um, but in the, the, the industry we specialize in, I suppose, at space, it's just like home and garden or that considered commerce space is something I really see as a huge disjoint um, between the, uh, the mobile experience and desktop and bringing that together. Anything from you, Katie, on that can you think of? I think the the, the main thing that I, I can think of, I think especially in the, the current climate is um, – you know, the, the, the first phase is obviously enabling customers to sell more um, in, you know, 
which is hopefully where I can come in and, and support businesses. But the, the second phase is more of the logistics, um, fulfilling the orders in a very personal way. And I think that that, you know, a lot of a lot of companies are doing it incredibly well. But I think it's um, how can you take that to the next level, which I think is exactly where Holly was going to. And it's exactly what came to my mind is how can the logistics side be improved? I think that that's that's what I think is probably going to be beyond 2021. Mm -hmm. It's going to be, you know, an ongoing thing. It's interesting about logistics. I want to give a huge shout out to DPD, actually, because. I actually, uh, I've had a few deliveries from them recently, obviously given Black Friday and everything else. And the actual delivery driver that I've got knows that I've got kids. And he said, because he knows I'm getting Christmas presents, he said, do you want me to hide, the present, hide these boxes anywhere? Because I know you've got kids. You don't want to <laughs> me. I mean, that's a delivery driver knowing me and getting to know me over the course of a few weeks. He goes, this is my route. That for me was like, again, DPD have got that spot. I mean, this is just a generally nice guy that represents the company. But my impression of DPD as a fulfillment partner is... Uh, you know, it's always been high anyway, but to get on first name terms now, my driver and, and have a good conversation with him, I think that's that really stands out. And, you know, ultimately he represents he represents the actual retailer sending that product out in certain respects as well. So, mm-hmm. you know, they've they've invested in a, a decent carrier like DPD. So yeah, that's that was a really positive experience for me. Um that's awesome. about four minutes. Yeah, it's great. He's a really nice guy actually. Francois his name is a French guy. Nice. And he's a push on the French. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Anyway, I think that's um, I think probably about wraps it up. Um, it's been a really good chat today, guys. I really appreciate um, obviously taking time out to do it. It's been hopefully interesting for everyone listening as well. I think there's probably a lot more to come in 2021. Um, I'm pretty sure that human commerce experiences is going to be a big topic next year. Um, but it's been great to have you both on the podcast today. So thank you, Katie and Holly, for, for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks. Well, this has been the Space Pipe Podcast. Um, Make sure you join us again for the next one and uh, make sure you subscribe and uh, leave us a review if you can as well. Uh, But thank you for now and we'll see you on the next one. Cheers. You've been listening to Space Bar, a podcast brought to you by Space 48. We're a UK leading CX and e-commerce platform specialist. If e-commerce content's your thing, then please be sure to subscribe to hear more. Do you like what you've heard or is there room for improvement? Please leave us a review and let us know what you think. Thanks for listening and we'll catch you on the next episode.